The word of God, I must say to you, is quick and active. The word of God is living. The word of God is not just a mere written text. The word of God is living. It's a living thing. When the word of God proceeds, when it comes out from the mouth of God, as Matthew puts it, when it comes out from the mouth of God, it is a living and active word, powerful, able to effect change and change things. It is not a dead letter. God's word is living. I am talking about the word that proceeds from the mouth of the living God. It is active, it is powerful. A seed is very small, almost insignificant. You can actually crush it, just step on a seed and just crush it. And you wouldn't even think about it. You wouldn't even be concerned about the fact that you've stepped on a seed. But, the, but within this, that, that little seed, which you can just step upon and not feel any thing, not, not, not feel bad about, is the most magnificent thing that you could ever see. For example, this tree here, one of the biggest and tallest in the world begins with a little seed that you can almost just throw away somewhere and not be bothered about it. Human life as we know it begins with a seed. Big people, you see, some, sometimes you see a very big person. Well, that person started as a little seed. Then we also have the big things that people do in life. I mean, big things that we see all around us. Some of the big buildings, some of the big companies. The, all these things, a seed, it, it began with, with, with a seed idea. And those seed, those seed ideas are things that you can easily, you know, throw away or unimportant. Just cast off as unimportant. A seed, someone says it's, it's a wealth, it's a beauty, and it's a symbol of beginnings. Basically, almost everything that we handle or deal with started with a seed. Is it by accident? No. It, it, it isn't by accident. God designed it so. God designed it so. That everything that he does, he starts with a seed. Hallelujah. Let's share with a prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. At the entrance of your word, give it light. And it blesses us. May your name be praised. Amen. Amen. You see, so, if God is going to do anything great in 
our lives, he starts with a seed. Anything, you go to God, God, I'm asking for this, I'm asking for that, God, I want to do this. God says, okay, I've heard you. But I always start with everything that I do with a seed. With a seed. The important thing then is how we respond to that seed. And in our text for this morning, the seed which God uses is his word. Hallelujah. It's his word. And I'd like you to come with me to Luke chapter 8, please. Luke chapter 8. Luke 8. So everything that God does, he begins with a seed. In chapter 8, we remember that Jesus went about to every city preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And he went with those whom he had called as the twelve and with others who were supporting the work. Now when he's done that, the verse 4 says, and when much people or many people were gathered together and were come to him, out of every city, he spake by a parable. And this was a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it, and some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it, and choked it. And others fell on good ground, and sprang up, and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that has an ear, let him hear. Praise the Lord. He that has an ear, let him hear. Now, what I want to start off with this. I want to start by saying this. How do you respond when God calls on you. That's what we're looking at today. How do you respond when God calls on you? Why that question? The question is, is being asked because Jesus takes time to go to every city and village that was in his vicinity. He goes to every one of them preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And what happens? What happens? The people began to come out to him. What the people do here is an honorable thing. Jesus calls on their cities. He goes to them. 
And when he goes to them, calling on them, they respond by now gathering unto him. The reason I say what they did here was honorable is because in the days of Jeremiah, the house of Judah did something that displeased God. In Jeremiah 7 verse 13, God says that I called upon you, but you did not answer. God was displeased with your actions. And now because you have done all these works, says the Lord, I spoke unto you rising up early and speaking, but ye heard not, and I called you, but you answered not. But with these cities, when, when Jesus called upon them, knock on their door, knock on the circumstances of your, of your lives, knock on their situations in, in, in your lives, they responded, they gathered unto him. The question is, maybe you are hearing me this, uh, this morning, and Jesus has been making calls on your life. He's been making calls in the circumstances of your life. He's been making calls in the, in the, in the situations of your, of your life. What response have you given to him? That is the question. How do you respond when God calls on you? These people responded. You see, it's a matter of courtesy. It's just human just basic courtesy. Someone calls on you. You respond. Today, as, we are, as you're hearing me, God is making a call on your life. God is making a call in the circumstances of your life. God is making a, a call on the situation in your life. And how are you responding? You are down, feeling wretched. You know you've hit bottom rock. There's no way out. God is making a call by you hearing this word today. And what is your response? You know everything is given up on you. You know there's nowhere to go. But you are still maintaining your ground that you wouldn't open up. But I've come to tell you, God is making a call on your life. Hallelujah. Amen. How do we respond? Now when we look at the text, the verse 4, it says, And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake a parable. Now, a parable is simply a, a story, a simple story or proverb that is told, but it has a deep moral or spiritual lesson to teach. Praise God. It's a very simple proverb or story that is given out, but this simple story has a deep moral or spiritual lesson to teach us. That's a parable. But what Jesus Christ says here is, it says, Much, many people gathered unto him from all these cities. 
But the interesting thing is that Jesus was able to make a distinction between the many people that had gathered un unto him. Look at the verse 10. Look at the verse 10. In the verse 10, it says, Unto you it is given. Okay, let's take it from the, from the verse 9. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? Okay. And he said, Unto you, that is unto the disciples, right? Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to others in parables. So he makes a distinction between the disciples and the others. So there is a group called others and there's the disciples. So though many have been gathered, he makes a distinction. And this morning, as you're hearing me, the question is, which group do you be belong? Others or disciples? Follower of Jesus or others? Now this question is very important because how you respond to the call of Jesus depends on whether you are a disciple or you are part of the others. How you respond? You see, a person can say, well, I'm a disciple. Fine. <laughs> Just like someone can say, I'm a Christian. Or you can say, I'm a car. No, you're not. You're a human being. You see, so you can make claims, but at the end of the day, Christ said, it's your fruit that shows. So I can say, hey, I'm a disciple. But it is the characteristics that determines. It is what the people did here that decides whether you are, you are a disciple or whether you are part of the others. Now come with me to verse 9. Jesus teaches the whole group, speaks in parables. In the verse 9, something happens. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And in the response of Jesus, he says this, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Now, But unto others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not hear. There is something in the verse 9 I want us to notice. It is the disciples that ask, what is the meaning of the parable? Jesus has taught. Now, this is, this, 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 this is very, very, very important. In the midst of that large crowd were disciples and others. And they all do not understand. But the distinction between the disciples and the others is that the disciples want to understand. Hello. 
Disciples always seek understanding. Disciples seek to understand. They want to know what this thing meant. The disciples are careful. They want to understand. They seek for clarification. That is the quality or the, or the characteristics or, or character of disciples. But the others, the others do not care whether they understand or not. The others can say something like this. Well, 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 you know, the Bible is, is an old book. So, you know, sometimes the things it teaches are not really relevant. So, yeah, and this, this teaching was one of them. It's not relevant. I, 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 it, it, it doesn't really make any sense. Well, that's what the Bible is, is, is all about. It's, it's, it, it, isn't it? Sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't make sense. So, it's all right. Let's go home. Now, or it could be in a preaching Instance like right now. It could also be reading the Bible on your own at home. Or it could be listening to something. And the same attitude. The disciple reads it on his, on, his, on his own. He doesn't get it and he wants to understand. But the others, when they read it. Yeah, this, I've read John chapter 7. It doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. Put it away. Just go away. That is the others. So that is a distinction between disciples and others. And the question we need to ask ourselves is, what is our character on this? Do we seek to understand? Do we ask the preacher? You see, here the disciples went back to the preacher, Jesus, and said, Jesus, what does this mean? We don't understand this. So when, 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 when the word is preached or you read it yourself and you don't understand it, the disciple will always say, I need to find someone who understands. And the disciple will always go for someone. Can you please explain this one? To, I, don't, I don't get it. Or what was preached? What was your understanding? Did you get it? Can you explain to me? Because I didn't quite get it. Hello. That is the characteristics of the disciples. But the others, some versions call it the rests. <laughs> the rests just gets up and go home. It's all right. <laughs> oh, what a shame. How sad it is. It is very sad. The others, the rest says, well, it's irrelevant. When you say something is irrelevant, you mean it is not appropriate, it's not important for today. It means it's a cake. But Hebrews 13 verse 8 makes us to understand that Jesus, who is the word of God, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, indicating that he is forever appropriate, he is forever important, he is forever relevant, he is forever significant. 
So Jesus, who is the word of God, is significant in our lives. And significant in every situation. So don't believe the lie that says, well, this word is not appropriate for us. It's not significant. The Bible is, is an old book. The Bible is God's word. And God is eternal. He, but is it actually, Jesus, he's the, sa he the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he was relevant yesterday, he's the same today. And he will be tomorrow. When you are dead and gone, Jesus will still be relevant. We, let me say this. I don't make the Bible relevant. The Bible by itself is relevant. No one makes the Bible relevant. Oh, well, you're not making the Bible relevant to me. No, I am not responsible of making the Bible relevant. The Bible is relevant by itself. Why? Because it is God's word. And God is relevant. God is not dead. He's alive. He still do what he's always done. Hello. But it depends on how we respond. Hallelujah. The argument I'm bringing in this morning is this. That God wants to do great and mighty things. And God is still powerful. God is still on his throne. God is still doing miracles. God is still doing signs and wonders. God is still healing sicknesses and, and delivering. God is doing exactly what he's always done. But he always does what he does by his word. And it depends on how we respond to his word. So how do you respond to the call of God? First of all, it depends on who you are. Whether you are a disciple or you are among the rest. God have mercy. Hallelujah. You see. So, so when they ask him. What does this parable mean? Verse 11. He says, now, okay, verse, verse 10. He said, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others or the rest in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not. So he knew what he was doing when he spoke in parables. He knew. That he was making, a, he was separating the disciples from the rests. He knew that. And then he also makes them aware that here in the verse 10 that actually you disciples you are meant to know. But here's the case the disciples did not understand. So watch this. It is possible for you to hear God's word and don't understand. Hello? We have a text case here. This is a case in point. Jesus himself teaches and the disciples don't get it. So who am I that I will teach and you will get it all the time? Or who is any preacher that will teach, teach and you understand all the time? So sometimes you won't understand, but you've got to ask. I don't get this. Hallelujah. 
Oh, come on. I thought that was kind of like freedom or, or you know, liberation to someone. Because you thought you must always understand everything. Sometimes you won't understand what is being preached, but you must understand further. I mean, prod further. Preacher, you preach this. I don't get this. What do you mean by that? And every good preacher will be able to explain. Unless he belongs to the confused them group. There is something that um, some in centuries ago teachers used to say, if, if you can't teach them, con confuse them. But I don't think it happens these days. I don't think teachers of this day do that. I want to believe so. If you can't teach them, confuse them. Then it makes you look like, you know, you are so high and they are so low, they don't understand. But actually, no. He doesn't understand, so he confused you. So every preacher should be able to explain if they couldn't make themselves very clear. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, so we have the disciples, those who follow Jesus, and then we have those who are just the rest or others. But then... Jesus doesn't end there. He goes further. That we also respond to God's call by the kind of hearers that we are. Hello. Not only do we Respond to God's call based upon whether you're a disciple or you're part of the others. But we also respond based upon the kind of hearers that we are. So the question is, an individual question. What hearer am I? Because Jesus throughout kept saying, He that has an ear, let him hear. So what kind of hearer am I? What kind of hearer are you? Why is this important? Let's look at the first explanation that Jesus Christ gives. He says, Sorry, before I go any further, let me do this. Verse 11. You see how he says it here? The, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. The seed is what? The word, the word of God. Also, when we look at, is it 1 Peter? 1 Peter. The... Praise ye. First Peter chapter 1 and the verse 23. First Peter 1 23. So here Jesus says that the seed is the word of God. In first Peter 1 verse 23, the apostle Peter, who has followed Christ Jesus, learned very, very well, also repeats the same thing. And here he says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed. But of what? Incorruptible by the word of God. We 
which liveth and abideth forever. Praise God. So we get to understand from scripture that really actually the seed, the seed that God used, if God is going to build anything, if God is going to construct anything, God is going to develop anything, God is going to build you up into anything, God is going to birth something out of you, God is going to produce something out of you, God is going to do anything in your life, God is going to work a miracle in your life, God is going to do whatever God is going to do in your life, including being born and Again, he gives you some, or he starts with something that is his word. His word is the seed. Seed. So the seed in the kingdom of God is the word of God. You see, in the kingdom of God, we take offering, people do pledges if they want to, people do all kinds of things, but in the kingdom of God, your money is not the seed, neither is your car. Neither is your house. I'm sowing my house as a seed. It ain't a seed. The word of God is the seed. In the kingdom of God. Hello. So let's get that. Christ says it here. Peter repeats it. Anything that God is going to do, he begins with his word, and his word is the seed. So if there's anything to sow, it is God's word. Praise the Lord. Sow the word. Sow the word. Invest in the word. Put a word inside you. Amen. Put a word inside you. Feed upon that word. It is in that word. Hallelujah. Paul, Paul says it is the power of God unto salvation. If God wants to deliver you, save you, bring you out of anything, he will use his word. Okay, let's look at verse 12. He says, those by, remember, he gave us four kinds of hearers, right? He said, so I want to sow. And I believe that the sower is God himself because we are all hearers of the word. The sower, I believe, is, the word of, is God himself who sows his word. Now he says that a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some fell on the wayside. And here he says that the wayside, those, verse, verse, verse 12, those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil. And take it away the word out of their hearts. Hello? Lest they should do what? Lest they should. Oh, come on. Lest they should. Believe and be saved. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Do you know what that means? That means that when God brings his word to you, his seed to you, the purpose is for us to believe and be saved. 
believe and be saved. Believe and be saved. You see, and when I say save here, save is not simply, um, you know, your sins are being forgiven. Yes, that is part of being saved, being, being born again, we call it, as Peter said, that we are born again by the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. So we get born again by the word coming into us. That's salvation. Now, salvation is not just being born again alone. When you are sick and you, are, you receive God's word and you become healed, you've been saved. You are broke and someone helps you out and you're no longer broke. You are, you are saved. You've received salvation. Salvation is a very big word. If you if you if you are in your home, you've got total darkness because you've got um, ele ele electric power cut or something, and you're living in darkness and for some time for about three hours, and someone comes and fixes it for you, and light comes. At that moment, when the light comes, you are saved. It's salvation. You've come out of the darkness. So basically, any predicament, anything that you are in, that you are brought out of, is salvation. Praise God. And God says, I bring you my word, and when I bring you my word, what is, what is down to you to do is to believe. You see, I, I, I take so much comfort from this word. Belie you hear the word. You believe it and you'll be saved. You see, oftentimes it's been said that the responsibility of people believing lies on the preacher. But hey, here, <laughs> I love it because it's saying that actually the, the responsibility lies on the one who is hearing. Oops. Hello. He's saying that the responsibility, when the word of God comes, the responsibility lies on the hearer. Hello. And he says that the wayside, the wayside people, when they hear the word, the, enemy, the devil comes and he takes the thing from their hearts so that they're not able to believe. Now, <clears throat> how do you believe? Believe means to accept that something is true. To believe means to entrust yourself, to entrust yourself to someone. I believe you. I believe you means I have given myself over completely to you. You know, like a friend. You come to believe in your friend so much that whatever your friend says, you believe it. Your friend says, do you know what? We are meeting here at two. And you know your friend will be there. It, it, there's, there is no double ways about that. And you go there with that confidence that your friend will be there. You've entrusted yourself to that. That is what God says. When we hear his word, we are to believe like that. We are to entrust ourselves to him completely that what he has said, he is good for his word. Amen. That what he is, he's not a man that he should lie, but a son of man that he should repent. Has he said that he will, and will he not do it? If he has said it, he will make it good. If he has spoken it, it shall come to pass. Amen. If God declares his word, he is faithful and just to make it come to pass. He is good for his word. It says that. So accept when you hear God's word. Accept when you oh sorry when you hear God's word and accept that God will do what He said He would do. That is called belief. So God is saying when you hear my word, the purpose is for you to believe, accept it that it is true. Hello. Not only that I will do it, but when you hear God's word. Whatever you have believed in the past, when God's word comes to you, whatever you have believed in the past, throw it away and accept that. You see, if, if whatever you have heard from God 
is contrary to what you've heard before, throw the things you've heard before away. That is accepting that what God says is true. But when you are fighting, should I, should I not, should I, should I not? When you're doing that, that is not belief. That is unbelief. But what if I take what God is saying and I'm disappointed? Ah, that is clear doubt in God. You don't trust him. And God doesn't work with that. Praise God. So you see, the wayside hearers are those people who, they are what we call the, the careless hearers. A wayside hearer of God's word is a careless hearer. He does not care about the hearing of the word of God. Now, let me explain the hearing of the word of God, please. When the Bible, when Jesus Christ talks about hearing the word of God, from the way he describes the various hearers, okay, the wayside, the rock, the rock hearers, and the thorn hearers, and the good ground hearers, the way he describes all of them, The understanding is that the hearing is not what you are doing right now. Sitting down, listening to the word of God. That is just the big, that, that, that is just the tiny bit of it. Okay? Now, it is taken for granted that no one will leave his home, come to a service like this, and distract him, him or herself. It's just unthinkable that anybody will do that wake up in the morning maybe by six o'clock wash down put your best clothes on come to the house of God and then you came so that someone will be talking to you so while the word of God is going on you're having a chat with your friend oh you know the last time you know man you sorry sorry if I use football uh, the last time that man you scored that goal you know and the word of God is going on you know, oh, that goalkeeper. So if you came to talk about goalkeeper, then you could have done that whilst you're still lying on your bed. Oh, you know, you know that businessman, he said he will bring me a thousand pounds and... Come on. If you came to do that, you could have done that elsewhere. Hello. It's a waste. And so... Christ is taking that for granted that no one will do that. That you won't do that. You won't come all the way. So he's not referring to, to that so much. But rather he's referring to what we do with the word from the time we listen to it up to the time it does something in our lives or does nothing in our lives. That is what he calls the hearing, or I'll call the hearing period. Okay. Okay. Hello? A person's attitude towards God's word is the same as the person's attitude towards God. If I, if, so hearing the word of God, listening to the word of God right now, what I do with it, up to the time the word produces fruit, or it doesn't, is the hearing period. 
So he's saying that the, the wayside person or the, the, the wayside hearer is a careless hearer in the sense that when the word of God comes, they don't give it any attention. They're probably busy doing something. And because they are busy, they have no understanding. So the, the devil comes and removes it. And that's the joy of Satan. He, he, he loves careless hearers. People who don't give any attention to, to God's word. One, they didn't under, understand it. And they didn't ask the preacher what it meant. And the guest went home. He loves that. And even the little, the verse that was even used, he removed it from your, from your, from your, from, 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 from your mind. That is why when you go home and they ask you, what, what was the verse that was used? Um, 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 it, it was a nice service. Yes, yes it was. But, what, but what, what was the verse that was used? Um, was it John? No, I didn't say ask me a question. I said what was the verse that was used? And you see, people will be doing that kind of thing and can't tell you what he, the verse that was even used. God have mercy. As a careless hearer, wayside hearer, careless. Doesn't give any attention to hearing God's word. Then we have the rock hearers. The rock hearers. You see, the, the, rock hearer, the rock hearers works like this. When the seed is sown and falls upon a rock, it doesn't mean that it goes on the rock directly. Usually, there will be a rock, a stone, and then there will be a thin layer of soil. Okay? So when the seed falls on it, it looks like a seed has gone into soil. But actually, it's very, very thin. So the, the roots are not able to really go down into the soil. It just hits the, the rock and then that's it. It just stays there. Jesus says, those kind of hearers, let's go on. says, they that are on the rock, are they which, verse 13, when they hear, receive the word with joy. These have no roots, which for a while believe, and a time of temptation they fall away. There's no roots. When they hear the, the word, it's good. They love it. They rejoice. But actually, they haven't got any solid basis for the word. And Watch this. Anytime you hear God's word and you love it, get ready. Temptation is coming. Have you realized that anytime you say you have heard a word of God and you believe it and you, and you like it so much, have you realized that you get, you get temptations for it? And the Bible says, yes, the word temptation comes because of the word. Why? Because he doesn't want you to, the devil doesn't want you to have it. Because, let me, let me say it again. God does nothing except by his word. So what God is going to do in our lives, it will be, it, it will be on the basis of his word. The word that we have believed. That's what God will use to do or uses to do all that he does in our, in our lives. So if the enemy wants to trouble you, all he does is make sure he attacks the word. That is why when you hear the word of God, 
temptation comes straight away. And then the walls, those who are the rock, the rock, the rock hearers, the rock hearers, they are, they are what we call unsteady hearers. Unsteady means that they are not really stable because they haven't got any roots. Hello. They have no solid conviction. Hello. There's no conviction in them. That is, they don't have, oh, as for me, I believe this and this is what I stand by. No, they don't have that kind of thing. They are just there. They, they, they just love, they like a good word. The word comes, it is good and they like it. Oh, it's a good word. That's it. Oh, I like that one. But they don't really have any convictions. So when friends come around, when other opinions come around, anything that is nice comes around, they also, they give themselves to it. That's the rock hearers. Unsteady hearers. Any idea, any concept that comes is fine. Because they have not got any roots. But you see, when you've got roots, when you've got convictions, and a contrary idea comes, you say, no, this contradicts God's word. But with the rock hearers, they don't have that. That's why you will wonder. But they were jumping about, they were very happy. How come right now they turn against God's word? Yes, because they are rock hearers. They are, they are, they are not stable. They don't really have any convictions. Do you really believe, you see, it's like... Um, do you really believe that as a Christian, the spiritual rules the natural? I pick on this one because that is where most of us tend to, you know, trip. Do you believe that the, that the spiritual rules the natural? If you believe that the spiritual rules the natural, then when things are happening in the natural, you will not be so much afraid because you know that you can console the spiritual and then not natural or the physical will change. But the world wasn't got this conviction. Anything happens and then they begin to run, wailing and crying. And all they will just turn their backs. But when you are sure and certain that the spiritual, or sometimes you are telling them spiritual things, and they will tell you, but, but you know, but you know, it doesn't work like that. You know, um, I've been to school. I've never seen it work like that. So what are you talking about? They have no spiritual concept. That is a rocky hearer. He does not see spiritual things don't mean anything to him. Hello? Yeah, spiritual things don't mean anything to him. And I tell you, our, the nations of the world are the way they are because we've thrown away spiritual things. And we're just working with the, with the, with the physical. 
Because God is spirit. So if you believe God, then you've got to believe in a spiritual. But if you believe God, but don't believe in a spiritual, then what do you really believe? Because God is spirit. Bible makes it very, very clear that God is spirit. And they that worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. So, if, but, but if, you, if you don't believe that the spiritual rules and not the, the physical, then what do you really believe? Oh, it's just mere words. Really? Christ said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. They are spirit in John. It says, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. That is, they influence the spirit. And things happen in the physical. Hello. Praise God. I'm not sure what that. Oh, God have mercy. Spiritual realities. Spiritual realities. It's the same reason why some people won't pray. They won't talk to God. They won't even deal with God. Because they think that spiritual. What is it? But Ephesians makes us understand they are principalities, they are powers, they are rulers of darkness in this world. What overcomes them is our faith, which is not physical, but spiritual. Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Are not carnal means they are not physical. So that as a Christian, when things are happening in your life, you don't try to use carnal. The word carnal, that simply means physical. You don't try to use physical things to solve the problem. Hello? Am I communicating? I feel like I'm alone here. Okay. Praise God. Then there are also the, what we call the thorn, the, the, the thorns hearers. The thorn hearers. Who are the thorn hearers? The thorn hearers in the verse 14. And, the, and that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked. Okay. Okay. Come back to the verse 13 please. Did you see that in the verse 13? He says, they on the rock are they which when they hear we see the word with joy. And these have no roots. Okay. Which for a while believe. For a while believe. So that means the, hear, the rock hearers are not just people who just. Christ wasn't talking about an instant hearing. But he was talking about over a period. What you do with the word. Over a period. They believe for a while. That means so you prove to be. A hearer, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> the kind of hearer you are, is not just the instant he listening to the, to, the, to the word. But what you do over a period is what determines what kind of hearer you are. So the rock hearers, they believe for a while. Yeah, okay. 
But then, when temptation comes, when challenged, when they are challenged, okay? Temptation, challenge. When they are challenged, something difficult happens, comes in their way. Oh, sorry. Give up. Can't do it anymore. They throw away the word of God. So the question we are asking ourselves this, 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 this afternoon is this. When challenges come, do you throw the word of God away? Let me be more pra practical. When you go into a situation, a, a challenging circumstance, do you cut off all the Christians and begin to deal with things physically in, a, in, in, in any way possible? Or you talk to to, or you talk to God or talk to friends that you know can help you come out of it. Because you believe that the word of God is still powerful. Or when challenges come, you say, whoa. You see, some people, this, this, this is their mentality. If the word was powerful, when a challenge come, why didn't the word jump and the word fight the challenge for me? It's not useful. Forget it. Because, because some people think that the word of God is a, is, a, is, a, is a charm. You know when you go to the voodoo priest, they give you a charm. And you put it around your waist or put it on your hand or whatever. And then when something comes, you don't even know what's happening. Ooh, they deal with it. Ooh. No, God's word is not like that. You see, let me explain what God's word is like. God's word is potent. It's powerful. It's full of energy, full of vitality, full of light, full of hope. God's word is full of everything that you would ever need to solve every problem and challenge. But here's a caveat. It comes with a lid on top of it. It comes with a lid on it. And that lid or that cover, unfortunately, you don't, you don't take it off with your hand. You take it off by belief. By belief. It is belief that takes the lid off the container and releases the power of God. And the belief simply means you accept that whatever God is saying is the truth. That is the belief. So when you do that to the word of God, you take the lid off and its enormous power now begins to avail itself to you and in your life. Hallelujah. Amen. That is what happens. You see, but the Rocky guys have got no foundation, no convictions. So they just yield. Then comes the thorn hearers, verse 14. And they which fell among the thorns are they which when they have heard, go forth. Yeah, when they have heard, they go forth. And are choked with the curse and riches 
and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to perfection. So once again, we see that the hearing here is not just the instant listening, but the hearing here refers to what, how we handle the word over that long period. So this is the thorn hearers. The thorn hearers are what we call the worldly minded hearers. Worldly minded hearers. They hear God's word all right. They understand it all right. They know what the word of God is saying, but they are worldly minded. Why worldly minded? Worldly minded is saying that they have God's word. It's in their hearts. They've got it. It's there. They know it. But then, the cares of life. Cares of life. Now, cares of life are not, are not wrong things. Cares of life. But cares of life simply means your day-to-day -day chores which you, which you get up to do. You know, some bills to pay, children to go to school, and then some challenge happens, and then you're driving your car, and all of a sudden the clutch breaks. And you have to attend to that. And if it happens on the motorway and you are alone, and the weather is cold like right now, you stand in the, in the, in the, in the, in the cold, and every car is, pa is passing by you, and the, the AA tells you, we, we, we will be there in, in, in two hours, 15 minutes. And you are there three hours, four hours, they, have, they haven't come. And it's, you are feeling cold and you are shivering. At that point, at that point, at that point, at that point, if you are a worldly-minded hearer, that is a thorn hearer, at that point, the word of God means nothing. At that point, the word of God is annoying. If someone should even text you a scripture and say, by his stripes we are healed. Healed of what? Nonsense. Because you are so caught up in that thing. Or riches. Sometimes to riches. Our drive for riches. Our drive for rich. To be, to be, to be rich. We, are, we want to be so rich that we are not, it takes over that mind. You have only one mind, you know. Hello? One brain, one, one mind. If you give it to riches, it's not for the word of God. Am I saying become poor? No. But when riches is the only reason why you are alive. You know that some people, they, are, they belong to a church because they want to be rich. Hello? Like someone told me some years ago, why do you go to that church? Oh, the pastor teaches us business principles and that's why I'm there. Did you hear that? So I said, you are there for business principles. I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought I read in my Bible in 1 Timothy 1 verse 5 that the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and a good conscience and faith unfeigned. That is sincere faith. I didn't realize that the end of the commandment is now business principles. God have mercy. Hello. We are in the church of God so that we can be equipped 
for the ministries that God has called us to fulfill here on this earth. To be filled with the truth of God's word. To receive, to be kind, you know, to grow up as loving, godly men. Faithful men. Men and women full of faith. So that we will confront our world with the truth of God. Fulfill our ministries. Hallelujah. Bringing glory to God. God have mercy. You see, the thorn hearers, what happens is that when, when pleasures fill the mind, sometimes your whole Christian life can be lived just for pleasure. Raise your hand, tell me if I'm wrong. When your mind is filled with pleasure, what happens is this. When you're in a church service, you can't wait to get home to go to your pleasure. When you're even praying, you can't wait to finish to go to your pleasure. If your pleasure is maybe a movie, You like it so much, you are praying. You're having Bible studies on, on, on Friday, and the leader is asking questions. Oh, please, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And you, you can't wait to go home to go YouTube. And when you see YouTube, ah, hallelujah, my God. Here I am to worship. So, when you see YouTube, your heart is at rest. Oh my God, that's disgusting. It is disgusting. It is disgustingly disgusting. If that is the mindset, you are a thorn hearer. You are a pleasure seeker. You are a worldly minded hearer. I don't mean you, I mean your neighbor. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to your neighbor. It's disgustingly disgusting that you are, you are in God's presence where, where your soul has its satisfaction but you've managed to fill your mind with pleasure so much that where you have your fulfillment you are denying yourself for YouTube for some game for some play for something whatever it is whatever it is that that you take pleasure from that you 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 come as if so if you are waiting for the service to end so you can go to that thing you are a worldly minded hearer i'm not once again i'm not talking to you but to your neighbor hello you see so to help to help anytime you are hearing God's word, you see, it's, it's a very good thing to be, to, to be asking yourself, why is this thing being preached? As I'm preaching right now, ask yourself, why is he preaching the way he's preaching? And why, why, are, we, why, why are we even reading Luke chapter 4, uh, 8, 4 to 8, 18? Why are we even reading it? It will help you. It will help you capture why we are here. Hallelujah. It will help you. It will crown, it will, it will put that pleasure away.
Am I saying don't have riches? Am I saying don't <laughs> have your gains? Am I saying don't, don't become a rich person? No, never saying that. But when those things capture the mind and they seem to rule the mind, they seem to, you know, rain on them. Anything that you are doing, you, you do all that you do in life just to, even, even, even on the job, even on the job, you can't wait to finish the job to go and have your pleasure. Oh, God have mercy. You see, God created you as someone who's sound-minded, who is self-controlled, who takes charge of your mind. Hello? Don't let anything else take charge of your mind other than the word of God. Praise God. Then we finally, finally, let's look at the, finally he, and then Christ comes to the verse 15, the good ground, hearers. The good ground hearers is our, our, what we call faithful hearers. Watch them. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. You see, so it is still not an instant thing. It's over a period. So the good ground and honest, honest is another word for virtuous. That means that with the good ground hearers or the faithful hearers, they are aware of challenges. They are aware of the, of the temptations, but they determine, like Daniel, they, they gird the loins of their mind and say, we are, I am going to stand by the word of God no matter what. Hello. I am not going to give in to anything else. What God says is what I'm going to do. I'm going to stick, I'm going to be dogged. I'm going to be stubborn on God's word. I won't move. I won't budge. Those are the faithful hearers. Hallelujah. Praise God. You see, the faithful hearer, he knows that, hey, when God's word comes, there'll be temptations. When God's word comes, there'll be, there'll be persecutions. But they are ready for the word of God. They are ready for the persecutions. Ready for the temptation. That they will stand a temptation. Anything that comes, they, 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 they know, they know that, hey, the challenges are here. The trials are here. But they know that the night will only endure for a season. For joy cometh in the morning. The faithful hearers know this. The faithful hearer is aware that, you know what? I may be going through a storm right now. I may be going through challenges right now because of the word of God. And they know and they say, hey, but joy will come in the morning. My God will come through for me. And yet though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy Lord and thy they comfort me. And you will prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. So they are aware the enemies are around, but God will always put a table before them. And he will anoint their head with oil and their cup will run over. That's the faithful hearer. The faithful hearer says, you know what? I know God will come through for me. So when they hear the word of God, they know it's a fight of faith. They know that challenges will come. The word will, that 
the, 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 the devil and the world will fight them. But actually they know it is not them per se. The devil and the world is fighting. They know that the, word, the, the world and the devil is fighting the word of God, which they have heard. So they purpose in their hearts and say, you know what? We, I will stand by the word of God. I will not budge. I will not be moved. Hallelujah. They understand. Then they are patient. He says that with, with patience, with patience, they bring forth fruit. Fruit. Now watch this. The fruit, who is it for? The fruit is for you and for the world. It's for you and all that God has given to you to minister to. The fruit is for the many people around us. God's word. God gives us, he, he gives us his, 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 his word so that we can enjoy his blessings. God's word comes to us to bless us. His word comes to lift us up. His word comes to do us good. His, I know the thoughts I think towards you. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. To give you an expected end. But I do that through my word. But the word will go under attack. And that's the reason why he wants us to become faithful hearers. He wants us to become good ground hearers. Faithful hearers. That we, we stand our ground. And watch this. I'll do this very quickly in two minutes. He says, No man, verse 16, No man, when he's lighted a candle, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but he sets it on a candlestick that they, that they which enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Take heed therefore how you hear, for whosoever has, to him shall be given. And whosoever has not from him shall be taken even that which he has, which he seemed to, to, to have. What Christ is basically saying here is this. That it is never God's intention to hide truth from anybody. Never his intention. His intention is for all men to come into the light. The reason why he brings his word is so that we will have light. Every secret truth, every secret, everything that is hidden. That we need to know God brings his word so that it will bring light so we may walk in it. But some may not see today. Some may not be able to understand. But if you do what he's saying to you, that you who do, shine the light. When you come to understand, you shine the light. Live it out. Let men see it. Keep believing. Keep believing. Be a faithful hearer. Hear well and help others out. For God never intended for men to live in darkness. He never intended to hide his truth because he wants people to do his mission, do his work here on this earth, do his bidding. He wants lives to be blessed. He wants to bless people. But unfortunately, when the word of God is, is not believed, then it hinders the work of God. The reason why believing God's word is so important is that when the word of God is not believed, it hinders the power of God. When the word of God is not believed, it hinders the power of God. But when we become believers, believe the word, 
stick our neck out for the word, he will do his wonders. And guess what? He said, hey, take heed how you hear. Did you see that in the, in the, in the verse 18? Take heed how you hear. For whosoever has, more shall be given. What he's basically saying is that those who are diligent in hearing the word of God and keeping it, they will forever be receiving more. They will forever be receiving light from God's word. And they will forever shining. But unfortunately, those who develop their bad habit of not keeping God's word, they will also become so. They will forever be losing now. They will forever, they will never come to the place where they ever is. Even the little they, they have, it will, it will go because they are careless. So that's why he says, take heed how you hear. Because if you are a careless hearer, you are a worldly hearer, remember, it will go down and down and down and down and down. You will never become better. So he's saying, hey, change. Become a faithful hearer. Become someone who is diligent, who takes God's word and says, no matter what, I will keep the word of God. Become like, a, like the three Hebrew boys. Whether God will save me or not, I will believe till I die. Become dogged. Become like Abraham. God says, sacrifice Isaac. Yes, sir, I will do it. I'll go all out and do it. He says, hey, become like that. Because I want to do something wonderful in your life. But I need you to believe. Believe so you can be saved. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. It is said, this is the first parable that Jesus Christ told. And I want, to, I want to believe it so. If it's the first parable, then it's very important. That how we receive God's Because everything that he's going to teach depends upon this. How we hear. How we hear. How are you hearing God's word? Let's be on our feet this afternoon. As we, as we, as we, as we, as we break bread. We're going to break bread. We're going to break bread today. And you're going to say, Lord God Almighty, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word. The word of God, I must say to you, is quick and active. The word of God is living. The word of God is not just a mere written text. The word of God is living. It's a living thing. When the word of God proceeds, when it comes out from the mouth of God, as Matthew puts it, when it comes out from the mouth of God, it is a living and active word, powerful, able to effect change and change things. It is not a dead letter. God's word is living. I am talking about the word that proceeds from the mouth of the living God. It is active, it is powerful.